Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Dale Walker. I want to welcome you to our Leadership Podcast. We are looking at how to become leaders that lead like Jesus. I'm excited to have you listening. If you want the notes on this, you can get them at dalewalker.life. There's also a lot of other resources to help you grow in your leadership. Share this with someone if you are blessed. I know you will be. God bless you. And uh, super glad to have some of you who are kind of new. And and so let me just kind of, and I'll tell you when I'm looking at notes and when I'm not, but uh, why we're doing this today in... Really, it's it's one is to really give you the vision of the church family that God's called us to be. You know, there's so many wonderful churches. How do you know that you're at the church God wants you to be? I, I think a lot of times as you hear the vision, it, it resonates. That this is where you are. There's a flow to it. Someone said, uh, how do you know you're on the right bus? Well, it's not because you like the bus driver or the seats are comfortable but you look at that marquee out front, and if it's going where you think you're supposed to go, then that's your bus. And so I think it's very helpful. Some here may be deciding, God, have you called me to heart for the world church? And uh, if he has, which I hope he has, but if he has, you'll feel a witness uh, that this is, is your spiritual family. And, and then secondly, for all of us who this is, is to really, we call it a growth track because the idea is to help you make the most of your time here. Unfortunately, I've had people come and they said, oh, I've been coming to your church for years. But they never took very many steps at all. And, and I just love to tell people, you know, wherever you're going to be, be there on purpose. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 26, I run with purpose in every step I take. Um, I, I don't know who it was, maybe the Yogi Berra who would say, uh, if you don't know where you're going, be careful because you might get there. So, you know, the idea being, if you if you sort of wonder about, but I believe when you say, Lord, where am I supposed to be? And he will give you a track. He will say, this is your track. And, and I, I feel like this is very helpful when I talk through sort of, okay, here's who we are. Here's what we're doing. And maybe it's going to help you just plug in in the most effective way. At Disneyland, they have what they call the fast pass, right? You you don't have to wait the whole line. So maybe I can give somebody a fast pass today and, and get you right up to where you might serve the best. And, and again, many of you already know this, but I would just say for us, and I believe for most of us human here, this value of being part of a kingdom of family is so critical to being a disciple. You know, the purpose of our life is to to fulfill Jesus' great commission and great commandment. The great commandment is to love God and your neighbor. So the first purpose of all of our life is to love God well. And uh, I, I put that as one of my highest goals in life. God, I, I want to be able to say at the end of my life, I loved you well. And uh, part of that is to love your neighbor as yourself. But the second purpose of our life, I believe, is to make disciples Jesus' great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. And a disciple is, is someone who is a student or a pupil of Jesus and who by living life with him. Uh, I like the verse in Luke 6.20. It says, well, what is a student? It says, well, a student, when a student is fully taught by his master, he will be like his master. What's the point of being a student? If you're fully taught by Jesus, what happens? You get to be like Jesus. And that's the most awesome thing in the world. Now, how does Jesus make disciples? You know, I'm convinced that being a part of a church family is right at the core of that. And, you know, two things about the local church. One, it's the only organization on earth that Jesus himself says that he created and guarantees its success. Remember, Matthew 16, 18 says, I will build my church and the gates of hell. So this is Jesus' work, building these local churches uh, that change the world. But I also know that it is through relationships that I really say um, learning to follow Jesus is more imparted than simply uh, explained, more caught in time, you know, it's the idea, how does somebody become 
an on fire Christian. It's kind of like a log in a fire. You, you got to be in a fire with other logs. And that, that creates the, the thing. Paul would say to Timothy, the things that you saw in me, the things you heard. And, and there's something about when you really get around other disciples and you serve God together, um, it fast tracks your growth in discipleship in Jesus Christ. Um, Psalms 92, 12 and 13. I, I love this verse. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. I've always loved that. And uh, one of the things I can't tell you how thankful for is that as a child, my parents planted me in the house of the Lord. <laughs> you know, I mean, we were at church. I, I don't know. I wasn't getting a whole lot out of it, but we were just at church. You know, if I threw up, they said, get a throw up bag. We're going to church. You know, I mean, it was just literally like no messing around. But I was planted. Guess what? I I couldn't get away from God. Guess what? I married someone at church. Guess what? My whole life has been that. And, and so some people aren't planted. And that's of great concern to me. They're like a tumbleweed rather than a, a tree planted. And so my hope is this helps you get planted. Also, we know. Ephesians 2.19, that the church is called God's family or God's household. So I often tell people, a Christian without a spiritual family is a spiritual orphan. If, if you don't have a spiritual family, you're plugged into. And I know through this pandemic and other times, there are so many people that got uprooted. They're scattered out there. And, and it's such a burden uh, that we, we're adopted. You know, our, our saying we'll see in a minute is we are a kingdom family, a fearless army of compassion, dedicated to touch, teach, and take God's heart to his world. Um, as I said, through our relationships, we grow to maturity. Ephesians 4, 14 through 16, uh, I love this passage. It says, don't stay a spiritual baby. <laughs> And, and, and then it goes on to describe what a spiritual baby is. Don't be tossed to and thrown. Have you ever known a yo-yo Christian, I call it? <laughs> they're up one day. Whoa, what happened yesterday? You know, they're, they're all over the map. They're, they're, they're beat up by the devil. This, 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 today, they're, they're apostles to the nations. Tomorrow, they're like, I don't even know if I'm saved. Is there a God? You know, because they don't have any roots. They don't have any depth. And, uh, what Ephesians goes on to say, but speaking the truth in love, he talks about relationships. When we are in relationship, he says, we will grow into full life maturity through that which every member and joint contributes. In other words, in, in fellowship, in relationship, there is something organic that happens between us. There is life, just like between a, an arm and a loop. And, you know, your shoulder, whatever, there's light that flows. And, you know, uh, sometimes people go to church and, well, I didn't get anything out of church. Well, you may not have in your brain, but you don't understand you were plugged in and, and life was happening, even if, if a lot of the awareness in your mind wasn't so great. And, and so the idea that we have from the very beginning is we believe that people become committed, dedicated followers of Jesus by a process of commitment. One of the most interesting things Jesus did is uh, when, he, when he first called the disciples, uh, if you see in John 1, one of the things he said is, come and see. That was the first step. Very simple. Uh, you know, Andrew, Peter, invited his brother, hey, we just saw someone who, who does miracles. And, and you know, and Andrew comes and says, well, are you the son of God? And you know, whatever. And he said, Jesus said, just come and see, come and hang out with me. Just, just come and see. But then he took another step Then he would say, okay, now leave your nets and follow me. And then eventually he said, if you really want to be my disciple, take up your cross. I, I like someone, I think Rick Warren said, when Jesus calls us first, it's come and see, but eventually it's come and die. I mean, it's, that's where you go. But for, at first you got a lot of options and, and it's just, Hey, this is good. And, and Jesus says, but do you really want to know me? Yeah. Go ahead and give that up too. Yeah. Go sell what you have. Go, um, you know, 
can't even love your your mother as much as me. Yeah. But it, he doesn't say it all at once. He, he, he takes us in, in these steps that I think are so crucial for us to understand. And one of the ways we, I've, we've drawn this out before, this is my terrible art, but I have to do it so they can see it on the, <laughs> but there's these concentric circles, all right? And this is how we see our mission in Las Cruces. Let me just try to give you an idea. It starts out here with the community. There's people walking the streets of Las Cruces. You know what our goal is? Our goal is to get them from the community to this is the celebration. That's the next circle. Just come, come and see. When people come to church, we say, you don't have to give anything. You don't have to do anything. Just come and see. But we, we hope that the spirit of God touches them. And then they go to the next stage is the, is the congregation. They say, you know what? I think I'm supposed to be here. And, and I'm, I think I'm going to get involved in the ministry of some, some way. And then hopefully they go to a fourth stage, which is where you're at right now. Boy, you've only been here a week and you're already. <laughs> but it's the committed. And that is, I'm in. And what does that mean? That means you go from, you're willing to go from someone who's a consumer to a contributor. Meaning, I'm not just here, you know, and there's a lot of people that will come for years. Hey, I'm just going to sit and soak. Well, good. But my hope is that someday you'll go, hey, there's, there's, I'm going to, I'm going to stand and serve now. I'm going to go from, I'm receiving to, I'm going to do something. It might just be hand out a, you know, the communion or whatever. But, you know, how many know when you become a contributor, you go to a whole different level? Um, that's why this class, you know, we are just so passionate. Our two big goals is to get people saved and serving as fast as we can. Why? Because when you begin to serve, there's something different about you, your, your commitment, and, and you begin to feel the heart of God better. You know, we started something uh, this last week, Alpha, and, you know, my wife, Sharon, and I, we just decided to do the kids Alpha, which your kids are just lovely. We love to be with them. But what we decided to do is to get a grandparent club. So we got four other grandparents and they're all taking, you know, four kids at a table and, and everything. And, you know, these grandparents are brand new to the church and you just have to know my wife, she can talk you into anything. She says, you're now gonna give up your life to Jesus. Okay, I mean, she's just uh, that sweet. And so she just explains to them, you, you're about to join the grandparent club. I am, yeah. And this is going to be the best thing ever have. Oh, okay. And you're going to be around kids for an hour and a half. And now I just went to two hours. Oh, anyhow, afterwards, they were all saying, this was amazing. I don't know, but I, I felt like I was coming alive. What were you doing? Well, they were eating pizza with kids. They were uh, doing crafts, but they were listening to their story. And so that's why we're, we're very passionate about um, you know, we, we have a saying around here, you know, lay down your title and take up your towel. Just, just find something. It doesn't matter what you do as, as much as it matters, because here's one of my passions. You can preach the gospel a hundred ways. You can preach the gospel by playing the drums because see, I can't preach the gospel by playing the drums, but every part together makes the gospel more persuasive and powerful. So the vision of our church is to change the world by becoming a team with everyone preaching the gospel in the super unique way they can do it. If you have the gift of hospitality, you're going to preach the gospel the best by just making people feel like a million bucks when they come in. If your gift is prayer, you're going to change the world by interceding, being there and hold up my arms while I'm preaching or whatever it is. And so that's a big part of this. Then the next group is the core. And that's when you begin to go from someone who is, is uh, on a team to actually forming a team. And we are a very free market entrepreneurial church, which is we aren't, there's not a hundred steps here. You don't have to, to come study for 30 years. Uh, we, we believe that our highest calling is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Uh, as, as I kind of joke with someone, why do you pay the pastor? You pay me to put you to work. That's my whole job is to, uh, to convince you to go to work. And 
Don't I have a sweet job? But the idea is some of you will have a dream. So, you know, someone came and, you know, Fred says, I want to do yards for elderly who can't do that. Okay, Fred, you are now the minister of our church. Um, and and the goal of vision we have is that a thousand of those ministries would happen. Not because we organize it, but because people are released uh, to the work of ministry. And that's how we're going to win win the world. So that's what we come to the core. And every we have something called Elevate and other events where we especially try to train people in, in that leadership and, and so forth. And then the final middle bullseye is called the commission. And that's literally where people then are sent out. We have planted churches and sent missionaries, my daughter and son-in-law missionaries in Zambia. And we have a value here that says the the greatness of a church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. Uh, the greatest fruit of a fruit tree is not fruit, it's other fruit trees. <laughs> That's the, the highest and greatest thing that Heart for the World will ever do will be to give our best. And we have a motto around you, you hear a lot of them, which is we give our best to those who have the least. We send out people as God would so lead, because we want the kingdom of God to grow. And we're very passionate about that. So, uh, you know, the good news is you don't have to get tired and leave this church. We'll send you. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. That wasn't in the notes. Never mind. Uh, but we love to multiply the kingdom of God in every way that we can. Um, let me just, before I get into those notes, then let me just emphasize our process. You've heard it said, and I don't know if you've got this other handout that says our process. Did you get a handout that says that? Uh, it might be in there. And it, and it just says, yeah, it says, yeah, our process for helping people. Let me hand those out because I'll just cover this before we go to the next thing. But if you heard the announcement, you heard that our our four main purposes are, can anybody say it with me? Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And so when we look at what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we, we really focus it down in those four areas. When you look at Everything Jesus taught us, I think there's 38 commands of Jesus, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. But we have found that you can really fit those, um, those uh, 38 things into these four categories. <laughs> this is, uh, man, I'm sorry on these notes. This is, yeah, oh, it's in here though. Yeah, it's in here. Yeah, it's in here. And, and like I say, I'm always, the bad news is it's confusing. Good news, you're getting fresh stuff, okay? <laughs> you're getting fresh stuff. But I just wanted to unpack this, Steve, because I want you to know how our church works. You see, if there's one thing I hope that I've learned over 43 years of being a pastor, it's how to coach people, how to get you on a growth track. And so one of the things that I love to tell people that come to our church, give us a year. If you'll give us a year and you'll plug in, you're going to grow. And if we, if you give us a year, you don't grow, go find another church because we failed because we design our whole church calendar, our whole strategy around making sure that anyone who comes here, who wants to knows God, finds freedom discovers their purpose and makes a difference. And, and so I just want you to, to get that in your, your picture so you'll know uh, what we do and how we do. So obviously, number one, knowing God, helping people have a personal relationship with Jesus is our highest priority. Okay, that's, that's the biggest thing. Uh, let me just say this, back it up at the top of what I said was, when the Lord called me to plant a church, one of the things he showed me was the process is more important than the people and the personality. Um, and I felt so strong there. I remember him, him leading me and, and the word he gave me was, 
I want you to go and bring people to my heart and I will heal them. When I heal them, I want you to train them. Then I will start to use them. And when I start to use them, I want you to send them to the nations of the world to multiply my kingdom. But there was a process in that. The first and most important process, bring them to my heart. Do whatever you can do to help them fall in love with Jesus. So we're in a series right now called Encounters of the Most Wonderful Kind. But it's the whole idea. Christianity is not about an explanation. It's about an experience. It's a relationship. It's, it's knowing him and being known in a personal way. So at, at the heart of this is this is the key to our Sunday services. Our Sunday services are unapologetically our main event for people at all stages of their spiritual journey. But we're not ashamed to say that our priority is focused on those who do not yet have a genuine relationship with the Lord. You know, I, I am amazed. There is not a Sunday that goes by that people don't just show up at this church. I don't even know where they come from. But they come off the streets. And, you know, one of the things I tell my volunteers all the time, I said, this is somebody's first time. Every time these doors open. And, and this is some someone who doesn't have a clue. They know a little bit about religion. And you know what? If we had to offend every Christian in this place to reach that person, we would. Because there's nothing more important to Jesus. He left the 99. In other words, it's not that he didn't care about the 99. He just said, compared to people being getting their name in the written, written book of life, uh, everything else is secondary. So what I want you to see is that we do minister to everybody on Sunday. But what I spend the most time praying for is that somebody, when I give that altar call, will make an eternal decision. Now, this is why as you come, you become a part of the Sunday team. That's why I call it you become a part of a team that reaches people. Someday when you get to heaven, whether you helped hold a baby for a single mom so she could hear the gospel and get saved, you will get the same reward as the guy who preached or the worship leader who played a song because it takes a village to raise a child and it takes a whole church to win a soul. And I believe that if we can create an atmosphere where people feel loved and welcomed, where their kids are treated like VIPs, where, where everything we can do is, is to attempt to provide an excellence in our atmosphere, that what will, the result will be uh, that together we'll, we'll see a lot of people come to the Lord. So one of the things we love to invite people when they become members of the church, we call sit and serve, meaning if there is any way you can, and I know there's stages of life, especially if you have babies or something like that and stuff, but if you could come and sit one service and serve in another service, and, and it could be as simple as, uh, well, just ask Patsy because she does everything. But anyhow, it could be uh, fold the bulletin, open the door, be in the parking lot, play with kids. And uh, we have a special emphasis on kids. The Lord really taught us that uh, from the very beginning. And, and I'll just refer to this, that, that, it, that we would reach families by focusing on kids. And so... We kind of have a, a joke saying around here that we are a, a kids ministry and adult care is provided. So, so that just gives you an idea of the priority. And, and because if those kids, if you see, so yes, last Sunday Easter, the sixth grader came in. Oh, it's so good. I haven't seen you in years. Yeah, I'm here. Well, where's your parents? Oh, they don't want to come to church anymore. But I told them, you better take me to that church because I love it here. And if you don't take me, I'm going to walk. How many know if that sixth grader really gets touched, eventually the parents are going to show up here, right? Because you just follow your kids. So, so that's this idea. The key is we all preach the gospel in some way every Sunday. That's the goal. If you help someone park their car, you preach the gospel, so forth. Here's some core values of our Sunday gatherings so that you understand. Number one is celebration or fun. I like the verse, Psalm 122 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Notice it didn't say, I was sad when they said, 
What does that mean? It was fun. And so you'll hear us in the kids' church, I'll say, this is the funnest, safest, God-filled hour of a kid's week. But we really feel like celebration is, is a key part. There's a celebration in heaven. And so we try to have a joyful attitude. We just tell our workers here, come on, serve the Lord with gladness. Um, just smile as much as you can. Just enjoy the Lord. That's why we try to have fun in the way we worship. Number two is, is safe. This idea of people come as they are. That's a core value of ours. Just come where you are. Come as you are. You don't. Uh, I sometimes joke and tell people the only people that we don't want at our church is, is perfect people. Because if you're perfect, you intimidate me too much. So, so if you're perfect, go to another church. But otherwise, if you're broken, messed up, welcome home. This is you fit right in here. Um, inspirational. We want this to be a God-filled supernatural. We're always asking for the Holy Spirit. That's why a huge emphasis is Jesus when he was trying to reach a woman at the well, what did he talk about? He talked about worship. He says the Father is seeking for worship. He knew, and we know that an environment where people connect with the Holy Spirit of worship is one in which people's hearts are changed and melted and brought into the presence of God. And so I just tell people, when you come to church, don't come to church to worship. Come to church worshiping. <laughs> worship when you get up Sunday, why? Because what I count on members to be is atmospheres changing. You set the temperature. And if you can come in full of the Holy Spirit, guess what? You just save 20 minutes in the service <laughs> because you've already raised the, the temperature at a level to where now people are going to respond to the word better. Uh, you know, people mostly, I can't believe how many people get saved and they never plan on getting saved. And they don't get saved because of the incredible preaching. They get saved. They say, I don't know why, but something just drove me. I walked in this room. I started to feel something. And, and I had to say yes. Uh, this verse in 1 Corinthians 14, 24 could be an expression of that. It says, but when some unbelievers or ordinary people come in, they will be convinced of their sin by what they hear. They will be judged by all that they hear. Their secret thoughts will be brought into the open and they will bow down and worship God, confessing, truly God is here among you. That's the goal of our, our service. We try to be practical. We preach the gospel in ways that can relate to people, everyday life, and invitational. Sunday is a place where people can accept Jesus. There's always a chance for someone to accept the Lord. So that's stage one. Know God, and it's focused around our, our worship service. B is finding freedom, and, and that's focused around our small groups. Sometimes they're called life groups, transformation tables, porch parties. Um, but I really believe that this is where transformation happens. Uh, in Acts 2.42, we see in the early church, they gathered in the temple courts, but then it says from house to house, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, Acts 2.42. That describes the, the vision of our small groups. Right now, we, we've been doing a lot of them on Wednesday nights, we often called them transformation tables. Uh, as the pandemic's lifted, we, we love to have them uh, in homes. I do believe, Mike, you have one in your home. There's just something about a table and being at home that is incredibly powerful for making disciples. This other verse, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We're, we're convinced the way people get free, it happens in that point where all of a sudden they can get real. You know, they're talking, they're studying the Bible. Then all of a sudden someone says, and you can feel the Holy Spirit come. They say, you know, I can't believe I'm telling you guys this. I never thought I would do this again. But yesterday I went back, did something in my old life. And I just feel so ashamed. And I don't know if God can forgive me. And then all of a sudden what happens? 
they get prayed for, they get, get spoken to, they get restored, they get healed. Uh, someone came this morning and they said that their, their husband had come for the first time, Alpha, he loved it, but uh, Saturday he, he fell back into, got, got high again and, and he wouldn't come to church today because he was stoned, you know. And, and you say, no, you go tell him. You get, and got his number. I'm going to call him and say, no, when you feel like you deserve it the least is when you need to be here the most, you know. So come on, because that's what this church is for. This is not, we say, a country club for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. And it's as we just, as we just are humble before the Lord, gradually we overcome and, and find those things. So it's that environment that we are just so, uh, we'll say things like all roads lead to life groups, you know, whatever, wherever way you want to go, you want to become a leader in a church, join, join a life group. That's where we, we begin to develop that. If you want to, you know, if you want to use, start to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so that's just at the heart of this church. What we do is we have three trimesters of, of life groups. We have six weeks off in the summer, but People can join that way and know that they're not uh, going to have to be in a group forever. They can, you know, quietly change groups or however that works. I think, Maria, you all have a, a group in your home as well, don't you? So um, uh, just, just tell them what your group is uh, kind of like, Maria. So we have a couples um, group and we follow the sermon-based uh, notes that you know that we get from you guys, and it's um it's been really nice just to build a lot of really good close relationships with people. Um, and I think because it's such a small place, um, it's such a like a small group. Um, it makes it easier for people to open up and share. And I think it's so awesome how at the end of the, like every Friday, how more people have a lot of things in common that, than they really, than they thought. And so at the end of the day, everybody's like realizing how much, you know, they had in common and um, they're sharing about the sermon that past weekend and, you know, a lot of what they're talking about somebody else is experiencing the same thing. And so it's really nice to see everybody connect with different people. And a lot of them, they didn't even know each other at church. And so they're building connections that, you know, they wouldn't have if they wouldn't have joined a group. And so we're, we're getting to see all that. It's, it's really nice. And yours children too. So Yes, we have a lot of kids. So that, so it's, it's, it's a lively group. Yeah. Yes. And then we have James, you all have a group, college age. And so anyhow, there's just a lot of uh, really wonderful opportunities there and really encourage you to be a part of that. On the freedom thing, we also do several things that jumpstart. You're going to hear starting next week a lot, but we do a once a year encountering the Holy Spirit weekend. And that will happen in the middle of May. And, and it's like, we just call it a... a as an acceleration of the process. It's like we just ask people, dedicate a weekend to ask God to take complete control of every area of your life. And we go through a process of letting the Lord convict us, uh, recognizing sin patterns, praying prayers of deliverance, getting sure that we've forgiven people, that we're not holding grudges, just doing a full spiritual inventory. And then leading up to being the teaching on who the Holy Spirit is, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And literally, we expect to have a day of Pentecost at the end of it. People are filled with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and of course, again, someone asked, are you what kind? Of, are you charismatic? And by that, if you mean, do we believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, are for today? Absolutely. We want them all. We claim them all. Uh, yes. Speak in tongues, heal, uh, cast out demons. We, but, but we don't say you have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
we we so encourage you to expect to be filled with all the gifts as the Holy Spirit leads. But it's not like a doctrine that says only people who speak in tongues can be part of our church. No, we believe in all the gifts, but we we believe the Holy Spirit distributes as he wills, and we uh, trust him in that. But we go after the gifts with passion because we believe God wants us to be supernaturally natural. Not to, in fact, that's kind of a value I'll mention later. Someone said, well, what is supernaturally natural? Well, we're, we're weird in sort of a natural way, I guess. Uh, supernaturally natural means we don't, yeah, we don't try to hype it up. We don't change our voice to sound more religious. We tell you the Holy Spirit can come. He can heal you know, whether you just pray Jesus heal or in the name of Jesus, you don't have to do anything spectacular. Just be yourself. That's what we mean by natural. But that the Holy Spirit can do supernatural things as you just are natural. And uh, so we also have other acceleration events called Love After Marriage, which is an unbelievable uh, healing and reconciliation for marriages, even for good marriages, right? Uh, I, I've never seen a marriage that wasn't helped by, uh, that's kind of intensive. <laughs> so if you, if you want any secrets in your life, don't go to lamp, but if you want to just let God blow everything out of the water and to be completely real and healed, go to lamp. And we also have the same for people before marriage, love before marriage. And, and even single people know that it was a helpful, wasn't it? It just teaches you how, when you are going to get married, uh, to not bring baggage into that. In healthy relations. So that's an incredibly important thing we do. And then we have what's called Life's Healing Choices, which is a, is a Holy Spirit-led 12-step kind of group that we are doing right now. And then we do have healing prayer. Many people have been set free through inner healing. Some of you may be called to that. And I want to just put a plug into that where we, we just very much take time for people who are going through trauma and loss. And there've been many people will just have 30 minutes a week or an hour. And we just say, let's have soaking prayer. And we'll just pray until the spirit gives them scriptures or comforts them. And we've seen uh, remarkable healing. So that's all part of our freedom. We called it our freedom ministry. And, uh, Fred, his wife, Rochelle, is the pastor over our Freedom Ministries. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Yes. That's perfect. Uh, the third part of our ministry is, is what we call discover your purpose. And this involves primarily helping people uh, know their spiritual gifts and discern the call of God on their life. Um, just so that you'll know it, if you, if you want an in-depth, I'm going to do a four-hour seminar in, two, in a, this, this next month called SHAPE. And uh, it, we're going to touch on it today, but if you want to go much deeper into uh, four hours worth of how do you know, uh, how does God redeem your past experiences, losses? How does God use uh, the skill sets in the world that you had? How does God use your temperament, personality? We'll go very in-depth, but we don't see anything more important to do uh, as leaders than to what we call unleash the champion inside of you, unleash the call of God. We are absolutely committed that every person was created with a divine purpose, ordained by God before the foundation of the world. You were born for a cause. I believe we, we say you were born for a cause in the church and in, in the world, a mission in the world and a ministry in the church. And those are, those are things that we long to invest in helping people to find, I have this ministry gift for the church, but I have this, this mission purpose for the world. It might be, I'm supposed to do something about trafficking or, or for single moms or something in my community. But we, we seek to really help 
because we believe that the ministries of the church are going to come out of the gifts and callings God's put in the people of the church. And so we are so passionate about helping you. So we will do something today about, uh, about your spiritual gifts. And we have this other seminar, but then obviously the key is that we begin to activate you by getting you to serve in areas of ministry. I put in the next page, we believe that you don't primarily discover your gifts in order to serve. You serve in order to discover your gifts. Um, many of us will serve in many ways. And, and, you know, have you noticed that sometimes when God opens the door, you think I'm here and God says, no, you just took a step. There's another door. Oh, I'm here. No, go down the hall, turn left. I'm here. No. Take another door. I'm here. Anybody relate to that, right? Oftentimes, God's calling is progressive, one step at a time. And uh, it, it changes. Uh, when you get married, it changes probably. Or when you, when you retire, it changes. But one thing I know is that God has a fresh anointing, and it's to be activated for every season of your life. And so if you're not fully sure I am on fire. I am clear about my ministry in the church and my mission to the world. We are committed to help you get your, your brain around that and help you. And we're going to talk about that. Part of that includes we, we have a very uh, entrepreneurial belief in the gifts of the spirit. We're not believing that you got one and done. We believe that the hand of God and anointing of the spirit can come upon you. Uh, you you say, well, I don't have the gift of miracles. Well, God might want to use you. Wouldn't that be sad if, if there's somebody dying on the side of the road and, and you say, I wish I could pray for you, buddy, but I don't have the gift of miracles. No, get on your knees and start saying, God, give me that gift right now. Well, I believe that he does. I believe that situationally, God can use every one of us for any of the gifts. And so we really teach on how to do that. First uh, Corinthians 14, 31 says, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed. I believe that, that you can all prophesy. I believe that the Bible says, desire all the gifts, especially that you prophesy. And so to me, as much as anything, it's learning a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And one of the things we try to create time for in life group and we, we call it come Holy Spirit time, but we really say somewhere in this life group, beyond everything we discussed, now God's going to show up. And it may not be something big. It may be everybody just waits on the Lord and someone says, you know, I just feel a sense of anxiety and it's not mine. Okay, the Holy Spirit's showing you somebody else's anxiety. Who feels that right now? And then you pray for them. But the gifts of the Spirit are at the center of our ministry life. We not only want to do the natural, when we go evangelize, we believe in power evangelism. So we'll often ask someone on the streets, can we pray for you? And sometimes God will give us a revelation or a healing. But we expect the gifts of the Spirit. Mark 16, 17 says, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out even notice. These signs shall follow who? Those who are anointed with five spiritual degrees and are called, no, those who believe. Can I ask you, anybody here believe? Are you a believer? All right. Amen. These signs shall follow them that believe. My name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So what we're going to do in just a little bit after we eat is we're going to help you go through the process of as you identify a gift, that you would identify a ministry that you feel fits, that you would fill out an application. We will set up an appointment with the person leading in that area. And hopefully some of you will begin to serve next week. <laughs> That's our hope in, in some way. And then finally, the make a difference part is we believe that God has put a change the world dream inside of every person. There is something both in the church and in the world that God has burdened and equipped every believer to do. That is his part of God's divine purpose that he planned from the foundation of the world. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago.
We are not so much in the business of recruiting volunteers. We are called to help people activate God-given dreams. We like to call the function of those ministry activations ways we love people to life in Jesus' name. So if you're here very long, you're going to see a t-shirt. You're going to hear somewhere this phrase, love people to life in Jesus' name. That's our ministry model. But because we believe that all Christians are ministers and that we minister not out of duty, but out of assignment, we, be, we call our teams dream teams. Now, what do we mean by a dream team? Well, first, it sounds kind of cool. Yeah, and I, if you remember the Olympic basketball dream team, and, and we all wanted to be Michael Jordan or something. But, but really beyond that, it's the idea that you're not doing a duty, but you're fulfilling a dream, a God-given, change-the-world dream. And there is something. So what we're not interested in doing is getting you to be busy so that you can be busy. Um, we are interested in helping you discover something you got to do. Uh, this, this thing, when you do it, you'll, you'll say, I was made for this. And I just love what uh, Patsy, we can see it so beautiful in her life. She goes, what you say? Go to the park and end up in, in, in backpacks. And immediately her heart is going, you know, I was made for this. Yes, wow. Rick. Learning what you're not called to do. Sometimes you got Isn't to that true? in the water and try something and go, okay, this is close, but this is the next. You know? So good. Yes. Uh, that is absolutely one of the things I'm going to say in a minute was that mistakes are necessary yes. and here's how you get your biggest reward attempting to do something you thought god called you to do and it turns out to to fail every time you do that every blessed failure and blessed mistake you get 10 points at heart for the world congratulations why you know because everyone who fails the most peter failed the most god used him the most and so yes i love that point thank you just to say that we, you'll hear our motto, we are a neighborhood church on a worldwide mission. And so, uh, and, and I'll catch up with that after this break, but just, just to hear this, uh, literally when we planted the church 25 years, can you believe it's 25 years uh, anniversary this year? So what a special thing for us. Um, but literally, we were preparing to, I, I was doing tons of mission work in the Philippines. And I was, I reached, I resigned my other church to do missions. And I started what was called Heart for the World International Missions. It was a missions organization. And the focus was to go preach and plant churches. We helped plant 50 churches. Eventually were planted in the Philippines. And then all of a sudden, you know how the Lord just throws you these curves. And so right in the middle of the night, he says, oh, by the way, your next assignment is Las Cruces. I want you to go and plant my church. I said, no, I'm, I'm confused. I had a great church. We just did that for almost 20 years. And, and, and it was wonderful. And I just resigned to do this. And, and the gist of it became that there's something greater that you can do than go to the mission field. And that is, I could use you to plant a mission church, a church that will send developed missionaries to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And so at the very heartbeat of Heart for the World, it was to be a neighborhood church on a worldwide mission, meaning that we are operating on two fields at the same time. What people don't see, but what's in my mind every time I'm up there on Sunday is these hundreds of Filipinos and Zambians and people that I know watch us. And I've trained, I've led, I've ministered to over these last 30 years. And at the heart of this was bring them to my heart. I'm going to heal them. I'm going to train them. I'm going to use them. And then I'm going to start sending them to the nation of the world. Some of you are sent to the nations of the world uh, through prayer, uh, through giving, adopting certain projects that maybe you sponsor, uh, some through 
opening your heart and home to missionaries when they're here and you serve them, some by reaching out to international students at the university. What's so beautiful and why God sent you from Wisconsin is that you can do missions 40 minutes away in Mexico. Yeah, we're right on the border and there's this incredible moment in history with the asylum seekers. Uh, they think 70,000 are coming to the border here in the next few months. Uh, what a mission field. And we are claiming that every refugee center will be a revival center. So we're we're starting to partner there, but so many missions. But what I what I I hope to say, and and so if you go through this growth track, if you give me a year, one of the things you're gonna do this year is go on a mission trip. Because <laughs> uh there, there's something that you gotta be in the room to get. I can tell you about missions, but until you're sitting down with a 15-year-old Guatemalan girl who walked uh, 2,000 miles with a, a baby and pregnant, and you hear her story, you just don't get it. They are just, you, you just don't understand. You have to tear, cry their tears. You have to wash their feet as it were. And so this is just part of our whole thing. So that's the vision. If you come here, what's the idea? You're going to worship God. You're going to experience the presence of the Lord and bring people Sunday and hopefully sit and serve. In that process, you're going to uh, find a small group and you're going to find freedom, help others come into freedom, but also grow to your full potential by studying the word, sharing it and apply it to your life. You're going to find what's your gift and calling. You're going to begin to serve in a ministry in the church and a mission in the world. We're going to help speed up your recovery process by sending you to encounter retreats and helping you experience dynamic healing prayer and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you're going to go on a mission trip and find a way that you can change the world. And we're going to all do that together. And I just kind of close with this little thing. What is hard for world? It's people who are passionate about making a difference with people who want to make a difference, doing things that make a difference in lives that will forever be different in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Pastor Dale's Leadership Podcast. It is our hope that you have been inspired in a great way. We encourage you to stay tuned for future content. May God bless you richly.